When you saw babies beheaded, all these things, when you saw these images, I, she said, I know you felt empowered. Now, if oh that were said, let us go back. Student had you. Let us go back to Charlottesville. Right. I guarantee you, if the administration right. and that mob saw any students, sure, they'd have been expelled in a second. Or at UVA. And yet, is at there? UVA, they would have been expelled in a second. People who worked, Caddy, people who worked, who were seen in that crowd, fired. But here, you have people openly saying they felt empowered. Mm by the raping of Jewish women. They feel empowered by the images of children being shot in front of their parents and parents being shot in front of their children. The videos are out there. They have exposed themselves. And yet, if you do unto them what universities would do unto any other group, Oh, then it's it's a violation of the First Amendment. Let's talk about you personally. You attended Harvard, and I know you were horrified by some of the anti-Semitism coming out of uh, that very famous college up in Cambridge. It is inexcusable, and Harvard University has totally failed in terms of condemning the significant rise of anti-Semitism. That's right. why I led with my colleagues in the House who are also Harvard graduates, ranging from Ted Cruz to newly elected House member Kevin Kiley, strongly condemning President Claudine Gay. That's the president of Harvard's mm -hmm. handling of this. She put a task force in place. The students should be expelled who are not only uh, going after Jewish students, but also saying these heinous, horrific anti-Semitic comments. So shame on Harvard and all of these institutions for not taking a strong stance on this. We will put on the floor a resolution condemning anti-Semitism on college campuses, another area where Republicans will lead. All right. You've got a lot going on. Uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, thank you very much for joining us from D.C. Thank you, Steve. All right. It's really, really pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, after George Floyd, we spoke out clearly. After, after the killing of, of other black Americans, uh, we speak out clearly. It's just, it's pretty simple. That's how, I'm sorry, that's how I was raised. You fight and protect and defend uh, those who are, are, are preyed upon. It doesn't matter who and whether, whether it is a, a, a black teenager who is stopped uh, by a police officer for driving while black or whether it's a Jew being harassed on a college campus, fearing for his or her safety. I'm sorry, that's how I was raised. That's how we were all raised. But for some reason, I, and I do have to ask, who's raising these kids? Well, and who's running these who's, universities? And who's running these universities, Willie, that's allowing a Jew to get attacked walking across the lawn of Harvard? I take Caddy's point about the generational divide, and she's right about that. On the other hand, you should not have had to experience the Holocaust firsthand, <laughs> right. firsthand Thank you. to know that attacking a religious group, sometimes physically, in the case of Hamas, the most violent things we've seen since the Holocaust, to know that that's wrong, to stand up to that. So I appreciate you saying that, Donnie, but I agree with Joe. This is an easy one. Yeah. If you can't condemn the stuff we saw on October 7th, there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry. There's something deeply wrong with you. I do want to ask you, because the IDF confirmed today that the Jabalia refugee camp has been hit for a second time. Of course, 
That comes after yesterday. The IDF said a strike there killed a Hamas commander, but we also know it, it killed civilians as well. Why did Israel strike again here? And do you know how many civilians have been killed in this area as a result of these strikes yesterday and today? So we know we've taken out a senior Hamas commander who was directly involved in the massacre of October 7th. Uh, as you will recall, uh, there were rapes, there were beheadings, there were people burnt alive, uh, burned so badly. We uh, Until today, we've got 130 bodies that we can't uh, recognize who they are. They're, they're just ashes. Uh, and uh, anyone who was involved, especially a commander of the operation, we have a duty to find them and to bring them to justice. And we have meted out very, very speedy justice with this, this individual. But to the question of why did Israel strike a second time today, and do you have a, an estimate of how many civilians were killed as a result of these strikes yesterday and today? So I can't tell you, I know that we've hit senior Hamas commanders and we've hit many Hamas uh, terrorists. That's our goal. In the Jabalia camp, subterranean, your pictures are only showing what's above ground for obvious reasons. But underneath there, you have a spiderweb of, uh, of tunnels, uh, uh, of bunkers, of uh, uh, fortifications, an underground city, which Hamas has built over the years, of course, stealing the cement and the electricity and so forth from the people of Gaza. And in building those fortifications, that's an integral part of their military machine. And we are about to destroy that military machine. If we need to attack it again, we'll attack it again. Okay, but you're not acknowledging how many, I assume Israel does have an estimate of how many civilians were killed. I assume you have an estimate of how many civilians are there when you make a calculus on when to strike. Tell me if that's wrong. But when you decide on striking targets that you say are military targets, but are also where civilians are, I mean, how many civilian deaths does Israel believe are acceptable in an airstrike if it is a military target? So obviously we try to keep any collateral damage to a minimum, as minimum as possible. And the advantage of this particular location is that it has been largely, not totally, but largely evacuated because we were telling people there two weeks ago longer that they should evacuate that area, that there will be fighting. And that whole area around Gaza City, including the refugee camp, uh, about 800,000 people have moved to the south as we requested and more so in the, uh, in the last few days as the ground operation started. And so we think there, of course, are civilians still in the area. We're making a, a great effort to, to distinguish between them and Hamas. But the good news is that the, the huge civilian population that used to be there ha has vacated. But do you know how many were killed? I can't tell you exactly because I don't know. What about uh, an Of estimate? course, the, the numbers that come out from the Hamas-controlled Ministry of Health are, are of course, uh, high, but we don't believe them. So and what number do you, you look at those statistics, we've never hit a single uh, terrorist. Uh, we only hit civilians. That's, of course, obviously mendacious. Uh, you don't believe their number. I obviously understand why it's controlled by Hamas. It's putting out these figures. But what number? I haven't heard a number from from Israel. What number? We, do you we don't have it. We can't give you a precise number. And I, I don't want to give a number ir irresponsibly. I can say the following. Most of the civilians left that location before we struck. I'm not denying there are a few there. But we've hit a primary Hamas target. We've taken out a Hamas leader. We've taken out many, many Hamas fighters. Uh, that was the goal of our operation. And, and, and casualties, if there were civilian casualties, surely that has to be based on Hamas because the, the Geneva Convention is clear. Uh, if, if, if a combatant turns a civilian area into a war zone, in other words, if he's placed his military machine inside a civilian neighborhood, 
he has in fact endangered the civilians because according to the Geneva Convention, uh, the, the, the additional protocol, uh, Article 13, I understand by doing that. so, he's made it a legitimate target. Now, even though we have a legal right to do so under the laws of war to attack a legitimate Hamas target, we still made an effort, told all the civilians, please vacate the, the, the location. And I'm happy to tell you that the overwhelming majority of, of, of Gaza civilians in that location have, in fact, left. Yeah. The number of civilians left there is small. Ambassador, we don't want to hurt them. I will say, Ambassador, a lot of them feel like they don't have places to go, certainly not safe places. This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. It's Thursday, 2 November in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, We're going to start today. We're absolutely packed. We're going to start today uh, in Jerusalem with uh, Yoram Hazani, one of the the great theoreticians and thinkers about nationalism and wrote one of the most controversial books, A Must Read, The Virtues of Nationalism, a couple of years ago. Uh, Yoram, can you do me a favor in my discussions with you? Here's, I think, one of the problems we have here in the United States. This is like the fog of war to the 10th power. It's, it's very difficult for, I think, citizens, particularly MAGA, to get a real read on what is exactly happening. Because the Biden administration is doing one thing one day, the next thing the next day. Can you just put it uh, in, in, for instance, we don't even know, there's, uh, you know, Daily Mail saying that the IDF has breached the gates. They're, they're inside the first line of defense. It appears they're much deeper. Can you just first off just walk us through from Jerusalem, your perspective on where we stand in this war? Sure. Good morning, Steve. Uh, look, I, I think the first thing people in the United States need to understand about the war is that Gaza City, uh, which is uh, has been ruled and controlled by the Hamas uh, terrorist organization for the last uh, 16 years, uh, the Gaza City is uh, 45 miles from Tel Aviv. And it's about 50 miles from Jerusalem. And uh, the, when when uh, rockets are fired from Gaza City, as they have been for uh, much of the last uh, 15, 16 years, uh, when rockets are fired from Gaza City, uh, we we hear them fall in Jerusalem. We hear them fall in Tel Aviv. Sometimes they hit Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, right? So it, what you, trying to understand this war, you have to imagine a situation in which. Uh, Tijuana, let's say, um, is uh, about the same distance from San Diego or Baltimore from Washington, uh, that there is a neighboring neighboring city like Tijuana that's ruled by a, a genocidal terrorist organization for 16 years that starts repeated wars. And what what, what happens? All right. So, you know, in 2008, Israel entered Gaza for, for, for a limited war. In 2014, Israel entered Gaza for a limited war. The question is, uh, now we're in the third Gaza war, 
and uh, what's what's changed? What's what's different? And the answer is that for the first time in 16 years, we have in Israel uh, a wall-to-wall consensus. All the political parties, government and opposition, we have what's called the unity government. We have wall-to-wall consensus that this third Gaza war is going to be the last Gaza war. This is not a war for for uh, trying trying to punish Hamas. This is a war to put an end to Hamas, to dismantle the Hamas. And anybody from overseas who has difficulty understanding, uh, you know, why we why we should want to do that, I'm happy to explain. Any Israeli can explain it to you. But the important thing to understand is that the Israeli government. The, the the government and the opposition have made it absolutely clear this war doesn't end until Hamas ceases to have governing or military capabilities in Gaza City. In, in that war, you've got the kinetic part, which we've started, but you've also got the information warfare part. Walk, walk me through. Do you think that the that uh, Israel and its ally, the United States, are winning that the information war versus the kinetic part. Well, look, there's two parts. You know this well. There's two parts to the information war. Uh, there's the uh, there's the part where you're trying to, to uh, where you're trying to explain yourself uh, to a uh, to a public that is um, unbiased to a certain degree. Uh, open to hearing what you're saying. And there's the information war where you're wrestling with people who've been brainwashed for decades to, uh, to, to, to see you as some kind of monster. Now, so let's look at both parts. Uh, in 2020, America underwent, as you know, as as you know, a kind of cu- cultural revolution, the woke cultural revolution, in which uh, liberal institutions, from you know the New York Times to Harvard University. Um, the the software in these univer- in, in these institutions switched from being you know like the old school liberalism about you know freedom of speech and be you know be good to people and tolerant to uh, to the, this woke revolutionary uh, neo Marxism and that that cultural revolution uh, which you know we've you and I we've both discussed it at great length in a lot of venues um, but I don't think people understood at the time that that woke cultural revolution has as part of its coalition it has the Hamas it has uh, Muslim organizations which are effectively front organizations for for the Hamas and and that's part of the woke coalition in uh, what used to be liberal institutions in the United States. So w- what that, that Europe, means hang, is that Europe, we hang are, on, one, hang on one second. Hang, hang on, hang, hang on. I want to hold that to a commercial break. Take a short commercial break. Yoram Hazani is going to join us from Jerusalem uh, after a short break. I know this is hard to believe, but we're up against another government shutdown later this month. And our wise leaders deal with it how they always do. With more spending. While lawmakers are high-fiving, your savings account continues to lose value. Because more spending weakens the dollar. Now end the cycle. Diversify into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. And listen, when you open a gold IRA for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Let me repeat that. For every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. 
Just text Bannon to 989898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a gold IRA for no money out of pocket. And you still get the free gold bar. Don't let your savings become a victim of the further devaluation of the dollar. Remember, the BRICS countries are focused 100% on de-dollarization. Text Bannon to 989898. Receive a free gold information kit and claim your eligibility before Black Friday to receive free gold bars on your qualified purchase. Do it today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Yoram, the reason we have you on here today is you're one of the smartest guys I know, so you got to help me out here. When you when you go back to the Cultural Revolution that was in June of 2020, and you see all these institutions kind of hit the switch and flip, and now they're woke, and woke has this kind of um, ideology of sensitivity of, of gender and culture, multiculturalism and sexuality, sexual preference, and a whole list of things. And then when you say Hamas and even Hezbollah, Yesterday in Qatar, the head of Hamas, the technical head of Hamas, which is really the Muslim Brotherhood, in Qatar is the nest of vipers that lets all those terrorist groups there and lets all the Arab money and international money flow in and out to finance it. He's sitting there going, hey, 7 October is bad, but there's going to be a second, third, fourth, fifth. It's going to be unending until we destroy the Jewish state and kill all the Jews. He's pretty blunt. And, 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 and in Persia yesterday, Tehran the, the head guy says, hey, the party of God up in, uh, which is called Hezbollah, but the party of God up in Lebanon, uh, if, they, if the Israelis continue to assault them on their northern border, we're going to unleash hell on them and destroy you know, the Jewish state with our light infantry that is the army of Hezbollah. How do the woke snowflakes in American institutions and in London and in Paris and the BBC and all of it, how do they – partner with and this is why i do appreciate hamas and hezbollah they're quite blunt about they are sharia supremacist their just first target happens to be the 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 jewish state in israel and the jews that's the first you know they're, they're coming for everybody because they are and they're upfront about this they don't hide it they are sharia uh supremacist and until the world starting in the middle east is governed by sharia law their mission to God is not complete, sir. Well, I, I, I completely agree. You've correctly characterized uh, uh, the, these various Muslim supremacist movements. But to go go back to the woke coalition in the United States, I think it, people people are mistaken to think that uh, woke neo Marxism. Uh, is a, a kind of liberalism. All the talk about being sensitive, you know, is th- that's you know that that's that's the old liberal talk that we should listen to everybody's di- perspective. That's like, you know, in the 1990s when I was a doctoral student at Rutgers University. Rutgers was a very left-wing campus then, but I was able to sit in uh, literally in in Marxist classrooms with Marxist professors, and the, the, you know, all all the students are are Marxists, and I'm I'm a conservative and a nationalist, and and a religious Jew. And they were able to tolerate me and allow me to be part of the conversation. That's the old liberalism. And we have to understand that that is dead and gone. The new woke is a form, it's a, a variant of neo-Marxism. Its framework does not see the world in terms of being nice to people or tolerating people. Its basic framework is oppressor versus oppressed. And 
the, uh, the woke ideologues come to every single situation, every human situation, and they ask, who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed in this situation? So they look at men and women and they say, uh, the oppressor is the men and the, the oppressed is the women. They, they look at blacks and whites and they say the, the whites are the oppressor and the blacks are the oppressed. The same exact mechanism is taking place here. They look at the Middle East and for, for, for whatever reasons, they decide that the, uh, the Jews are like the oppressive males or white people and the oppressed are the, the, uh, are, are the, the Arabs or the Palestinians. And so the dynamic on America's campuses, and not, not only in the universities, but in, in all of the formerly liberal institutions almost in America, the dynamic is to ask, who's, who is the oppressor? Answer, Israel is the oppressor. Being the oppressor makes you wrong. And because they're, they don't have a Christian or a Jewish moral framework to say, oh, well, you know, slaughtering, uh, slaughtering innocent civilians, well, the, you know, that, that's bad. Those are the bad guys. But we see that that's not their framework. Their framework is Israel is the oppressor. The Jews are the oppressor. And because they're the oppressor, whatever we do to them is justified. And that's true whether it's uh, torturing and raping and slaughtering uh, civilians uh, 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 in in southern Israel, or on on the campuses, where where we're, we're seeing this this uh, you know for a long time we've seen persecution of conservatives. At the moment, we're seeing explicitly a persecution of Jews on the American campuses because every Jewish student is part of the oppressor, and certainly if he or she stands up and 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 says, "Look, I I think Israel has a legitimate uh, uh, complaint." has a legitimate arguments, then that student immediately gets labeled as an oppressor and anything is legitimate in order to suppress that student and, if possible, remove him or her from the campus. Is that the connective tissue that gets to the invasion of the southern border? We have a crew down there. They're going to talk to us about 60,000 coming up and a 6,000 that that the Israelis, the Jews are colonizers. They're oppressors, right? They came from the, you know, from the Judeo-Christian West and, and after Balfour came back or the ones that were there. But they're the oppressors. The United States, you, you, you don't have sovereignty. You don't have a border. You're the colonizers. You're the oppressors. And so the whole world can just come up here and walk in and have the same rights and benefits of American citizens and basically be underwritten by American taxpayers. Is that the connective tissue? Yes, it, it, it is. Look at it this way. Uh, the, the Jews coming back to their land from the perspective of uh, the woke neo-Marxist coalition, they're the equivalent of the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Anglo-Protestants uh, coming to America. And uh, for, for them, Anglo-Protestants coming to settle in America, that's, that's the original sin. Uh, and uh, anything that happens to you know, is, is uh, to, to to people within North America is viewed from that perspective. So, so, you know, obviously, that, uh, you know, I'm not saying that everything that that uh, uh, that um, uh, the group that's designated as the oppressor. I'm not saying that everything they do is right, but the 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 our framework is moral. We want to judge every everything that happens on should they have done this, shouldn't they have done it? Was it reasonable? Was it justified? But that's our opponents are 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 not like that. They're saying uh, Anglo Protestant Protestants came to America, they took the land away, they oppressed. Uh, the, the the Native Americans uh, l- later somehow the the uh, uh, the the, uh, the the Spanish speaking populations in Central and South America all end up being the oppressed 
you know, <laughs> which is it, 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 it's a little bit strange. But when you compare um, Hispanics to to Americans, they're supposed to be the oppressed brown people. And when the oppressed brown people are are demanding to uh, improve their uh, uh, improve their lives by coming to the United States. Uh, the, the liberals don't have an argument against it because they say that you know everybody on earth is is uh, is is equal, so they have difficulty distinguishing between you know uh, uh, Americans and foreigners. That that whole distinction is problematic even for liberals, but certainly for woke neo Marxists, for the woke, the whole point of bringing people across the border is to is to end the reign of the oppressors. That's to end the the system that was created by the Anglo Protestants who came here, and you know, and today they're you know they're 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 Catholic and Jewish allies. That's the goal. The goal is to end that system, to end that oppression of uh, of brown people by 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 white people. That's the way they talk. That's the way they think. And so, so uh, flooding the border, bringing as many people into the United States who can put an end to the supposedly evil rule of of uh, uh, that was created by Anglo Protestant settlers. That's the whole purpose of the thing. Um. Help me out here. By the way, we'd like to hold you through the next break if that's possible. Um, Cash Patel is going to join us. His amazing testimony yesterday in the trial in Denver that really walked through the Department of Defense's response or preparation for J6. You're, help me. I was a young paper boy in 67 carrying my papers. And every day I was reading about the war and these kind of heroes, Moshe, Diane, and these the, the Jewish Spartans, right? And then 73, kind of caught unawares by the Arab armies. Once again, the Jewish Spartans throw down and win. We have a big issue in our country, particularly veterans that have served about the the senior level uh, command structure in our military being very woke. Tommy Tuberville's fighting a historic fight up on Capitol Hill right now about this whole DEI in the military and what's happened to it. When we look at what happened on the 7th October, are your allies here in the United States, and particularly people, the evangelical community, et cetera, that have the back of uh, of the Israeli state of Israel, should we be concerned that maybe we're not in partnership, and I know that we've got a woke military now, although our men and women in the field have been just unbelievably uh, courageous and, and showing incredible valor and, uh, and toughness. Should we be concerned that the society in Israel, as it's gotten wealthier, maybe is not the Jewish Spartans of 67 or 73? Look, I think that's a, I think it's a legitimate concern for, for, for every country that as, as it becomes uh, wealthier, I would actually say, as it becomes more liberal, as it in, you know in, imports Western liberalism, uh, which is it, you know is not exactly the same thing as the the you know the the, the founding nationalism that was the you know the, the labor nationalism that was Israel's founding ethos was hardly liberal, uh, but uh, yeah, that's a completely reasonable reasonable thing to ask. But I I, I would also be careful about um, jumping to too many conclusions on the basis of. Uh, what happened on October 7th. I mean, uh, it's obvious that many catastrophic mistakes were made, but we're not going to find out exactly what the nature of those mistakes were for months. And uh, we should remember that uh, that 1973 was also a catastrophic intelligence uh, blunder. 
And that was six years after 1967. In 1967, the Israelis were invincible. And in 1973, six years later, uh, the, the Egyptian surprise attack on Yom Kippur uh, caught Israel completely off guard. guard. There were only several hundred Israeli soldiers in, in, in the Bar-Lev line defenses uh, along the Suez Canal. They were easily overrun. And uh, and 2,500 Israeli soldiers were, were were killed in those three weeks. You know, Israel's population at the time was was not even three million. So um, look, I I think that catastrophic mistakes uh, they can also happen uh, to to people who have a reputation or who even are. Um, you know, Spartan Spartan warriors. By the way, the Spartans lost plenty of wars too. <laughs> Yoram, hang over for a second. Got to hold you for a few minutes after the break. Yoram Azani from Jerusalem. Cash Patel up next. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon and support a company that actually believes in America. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Let me repeat, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. Glenn Story and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left, without funding people that hate you. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number. Keep your phone or upgrade. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT, P-A-T-R-I-O-T, 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. Patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Yoram, what should, for our audience to be smart and not get um, distracted by the fog of war, particularly, so I think you got Biden was confronted by some person last night. He's saying, hey, maybe it ought to be a humanitarian pause. You've got, obviously, you see Caitlin Collins hectoring the ambassador, who, by the way, I think he's one of the best guys you put forward. He's a very, seems solid guy, very straightforward, tries to give information. We see him on BBC and all the international networks all the time. She's haranguing him. You're going to see more and more of that, a lot of hand-wringing um, while this military operation goes on. And if, you know, if the state's purpose is that it's the third Gaza war, at the end of this, the Muslim Brotherhood's a franchise, military franchise in Gaza is going to be totally and completely destroyed. Um, that's a tall order. So what should folks look for? We'll try to have you back on, to, subject to your availability next week. But over the next couple of days and weekend, what, what should folks look for? Okay. First of all, uh, the the government, the Israeli government, Netanyahu uh, and Gantz have been extremely clear 
that this is a war that's going to go on for months. Uh, They're they uh, conquering the northern half of the Gaza Strip. They have not yet commented about the southern half at the moment. They're conquering the northern half, uh, and they've asked all civilians repeatedly to leave the northern the Gaza City and the northern half of the Gaza Strip out of a population of about a million. The estimate is that 800,000 have already left, and there's about 200,000 remaining there. Um, Israel is trying to keep up the pressure in such a way that the Hamas begs for a ceasefire. Uh, now, there's not going to be a ceasefire except under very particular conditions. Don't forget that the Hamas has, uh, has kidnapped uh, approximately 230, we don't know the actual number, um, uh, Israelis and, and some foreigners. Uh, there's approximately 230 hostages being held in the tunnels under Gaza. And uh, we, the, the one thing that might induce uh, Netanyahu's unity government in Israel to, uh, to accept a ceasefire would either, I mean, a temporary ceasefire would either be to allow the release of all the hostages or possibly, potentially, uh, if we can arrange for, to have the rest of those 200,000 civilians in Gaza City moved south to Khan Yunis. Those are strategic uh, objectives for Israel because Israel obviously wants the hostages released alive, and uh, and and because it, for for Israel it's terrible to have uh, uh, civilians continue to be to be in in the combat zone. The, I mean the Hamas is just it, look two nights ago. I'll just tell you one quick thing. Two nights ago on Tuesday night, uh, when the uh, the Israeli military reached uh, Jabalia, which is four miles north of Gaza City. Um, they, they they reached a, a Hamas, a Muslim Brotherhood command center uh, near Jabalia. And uh, when the Hamas saw that they were going to be overwhelmed, they released, according to Israeli press reports this morning, they released 100 children and women and forced them to walk in the direction of the Israeli fire in order to get the Israelis to back down and stop firing. We're, we're dealing with an absolutely merciless, relentless foe that actually wants the death of its own civilians because they're, they're great propaganda against Israel. So ceasefire on, in one of two conditions, either in exchange for full hostage release or in exchange for uh, the, the expedited removal of the civilian population. In either case, Israel is going to go back to war very quickly uh, because, as you said, the third Gaza war, Gaza war is going to be the last one in, uh, in terms of the war aims of the Israeli government. You know, this is I get back to the Hamas being the um, the Gaza military franchise and political degree of the Muslim Brotherhood and that Hezbollah is just the Shiite, the Shiite version in Lebanon from the Persians. And, and this is why I think it's hurt all of us to uh, secularize these people over the last couple of years because they're not they're not secular at all. They are clearly uh, Islamic Sharia supremacist. And in, in, in their philosophy, their theory, sending the kids up into the fire, it's just part of the deal. That's not we, – we look at it in a very Western, oh, that's terrible. You're sending kids – you know, the Judeo-Christian kind of framework that we fight. And that's not – and we still in the United States have not learned that in 20 years of combat in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's just a different deal. And you have to understand that it's a totally different way of thinking. And this is it's why the totally guy in Hamas yesterday, the leader in Hamas, when he's in Qatar and he says, hey, you think October 7th's bad? 
with the babies cut up in the ovens and raping the women in front of their wives and burning them up so you can't divide He says, we're going to have a second, third, fourth, fifth, and he's cheered. Of course he's cheered. And the Cutter, the senior guys in Cutter, who we have a deal with and have a base with, and we have all their money and all these private equity lend to buy sports teams, they're, they're not just part of it. They're a driving focus of it. Unless we wake up, wake up, awaken to exactly what's going on, to see what you see. Unless we do that, it's, we're not going to win this war. We're just not. All the military equipment, all the military, all the bravery, all the courage of the Israeli troops and the IDF and the American troops, until we awaken to what this war is actually about and how it has a front on the southern border of the United States of America and now in every city and fentanyl being the chemical warfare part of that. Until you awaken to that, we will not win, not over the long run just not going to happen we must awaken to what the enemy really is and how the enemy really thinks you're on one last thing your son wrote an amazing piece uh, i think it was in newsweek he goes to notre dame uh the uh, about we don't need american troops do this the israelis can do this themselves you just need material support of material uh your thoughts on that oh, well my, my my son is right he's reflecting uh, 75 years of, uh, of Israeli military doctrine. Israel does not accept foreign soldiers to fight its wars. The entire purpose of the state of Israel is for Jews to be able to defend themselves. And obviously that means sometimes we Jews uh, in Israel, we we can make terrible mistakes uh, as, as we've seen in the last few weeks. But the, the, the basic uh, point is Israel will never do what Ukraine is doing uh, demanding that uh, American forces come and fight for them and save them. That, that's the opposite of the purpose of the Jewish state. Our goal is to be as strong as possible. We want to be a good ally to the United States. Uh, we, we'd like for the United States to, 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 to be comfortable with uh, uh, helping us with uh, logistics and uh, intelligence and munitions, uh, which you've been great in, in doing. But the war has to be fought by Israelis. The moment that Americans start fighting Israel's wars, uh, is Israel will you know, Israel become like a European country, uh, weak and effete and a, a protectorate and a dependency. No one in Israel is interested in that. Yoram, how do people get to you? How, the book is amazing. Uh, how do they get to all your writings, social media, all of it? Uh, Yoram Fazoni, you, you see it on the screen there, Y-O-R-A-M-H-A-Z-O-N-Y dot org. Um, uh, and uh, all my books are there. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe. There's a newsletter. Uh, uh, I, I look forward to, to communicating with all of you. Yeah, and we look forward to uh, having you back. Honored to have you on here. Thanks for carving out time. Thank you, Steve. Yoram God bless Hazoni you. from uh, Jerusalem. Thank you, brother. Um, Cash, I'm, I'm going to hold the cold open because i got to get to this amazing testimony yesterday. But Cash, jump in here. Give me, give me your assessment of where we are in this thing. Yeah, on Israel? <clears throat> On on this on Israel on the broader war in the Middle East, you're going to be the new CIA director. You know, I, I, you got Brennan on there, and no, you got Brennan and Clapper sprouting nonsense. So I want to hear from somebody that's actually going to be an action officer for President Trump in the new administration. Right. For those that are new to the war room, let's remind people who Brennan and Clapper are. Those are the guys that unlawfully surveilled Senate staffers and lied about it to the world and also launched the Russiagate operation covertly and lied about it to the world and still maintain their security clearance. So you can listen to them or you can listen to people on the ground or have been doing this apolitically for a long time. 
these government gangsters have set us up for another world war, and they're the only ones who are going to get rich off of it. They do not care about the American position that we are now put in with our greatest ally in Israel. They do not care about the thousands of people over there that are going to be entrapped in a war. They only care about the political narrative that somehow Joe Biden is succeeding. On what front is this commander-in-chief succeeding by starting two new world wars, having Americans taken hostage, having Americans killed, having Israelis killed, having children beheaded? What success has this been? The intelligence failure was intentional because the Biden administration did not want to look for it. Um, right now, the you've, you've got – and Yoram just said, hey – uh, and he he made the point in Gaza City, IDF is in the tunnels. And you clearly see the air campaign, but they're in the tunnels and there's pretty fierce fighting going on. As uh, from your understanding of the of the military situation, how how it evolves, do you see this expanding? In in Persia yesterday, in Tehran, they said, hey, if the Israelis keep shelling uh, Hezbollah troops in southern Lebanon, we're getting into this. They're gonna they're gonna go. The head of Hamas in Qatar said uh, we, we're looking for a second, third, fourth, fifth, October 7th. We're not going to stop. We're, we need more of them. How do you see this thing develop? I mean, Yoram just told us the military campaign in Gaza, and he's pretty dialed in, will take months, not days, not weeks, will take months. And you're going to see these images up there every day for months and months and months. And quite frankly, the images are going to get even harder. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, maybe people will now finally realize how long it takes to mobilize an armed force. Uh, maybe the Grandoons from the uh, Colorado Trump trial can uh, take a page out of this one. He's right. This is not ending tomorrow. It's not ending this year. It may not end next year. This is a full-fledged war, and you cannot, in war, you cannot have knee-jerk reactions. You cannot respond to the national security mainstream media. That is how you lose a war, and that is what these morons in the White House are doing, seeking headlines instead of preparing the landscape, gathering the intelligence, reorienting assets, not just within DOD and the intelligence community, but talking to our partners and saying, you're in this fight with us. Now we have to figure out how to defeat the enemy. And that is a campaign that is going to take months and months and months and months, if not years. We are talking about Iran, the world's largest state sponsor of terror. We're talking about a foreign terrorist organization in Hamas. We're talking about a foreign terrorist organization in Hezbollah, and not to mention the IRGC and the Quds Force. These guys have been planning for this day for probably 20 years. And if we think we're going to wipe them off the map in days, then that is exactly the attitude they want us to take. And I fear with Joe Biden, that's where we're heading. You just heard Yoram about the connective tissue of the colonizers and the oppressors to tie it to the front of the uh, southern border, which is our primary concern, uh, the invasion. I want everybody in this audience this weekend, wherever you are, when a conversation comes up in politics, maybe even start it. I want you to rub your neighbor's nose and, uh, and those in your family that when you wear your red ball cap or you mention Trump, spit on the floor. And I want you to rub their nose in two things. Number one, when Donald J. Trump was president of the United States in the Middle East, none of this was happening. He actually reversed it. He totally reversed it. And if you don't think that takes leadership and moral courage and they're mocking him and want to put him in jail for 700 years, the other thing. When Trump was here, from the very moment he took over, he locked down that southern border. Okay, you didn't have this invasion. Trump wouldn't hear about it. 
and now we have a massive invasion of this country, and, and it's all planned and thought through. And you have a war, the Third World War is metastasizing every day in front of it. And this is not going to end anytime soon. People have to understand that. This is not going to end anytime soon. Unless we get very focused on exactly what this fight's about, it's not going to end well for the West. Until we face hard reality, and in that hard reality, what we must do to save this country... I guarantee you we will lose. The moment we face reality, we're on the path to victory. Cash Patel next. We rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it. Because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action. Use your agency do it today. Get the benefits of the sale. We'll review the committee's final report. Yeah, in large part, but not, I would say, I don't think I could say I read every single page. Okay. Did you look to see if you were mentioned in the report? With me and my counsel, a little background, we had an agreement with the committee that my testimony, since I was the first individual subpoenaed by the January 6th committee, we felt it appropriate that the transcript should be made public at some point. And after months long negotiations, they refused to do so and published their final report. And, it, and to my memory, it had been excluded. Um, and our counsel uh, took that up with the January 6th committee staff um, as to why the agreement had been violated. And I think on the eve of the dissolution of the committee, my transcript was the last one released. OK, um, yesterday and we're trying to figure out how to do this and break it down. And that's why I want to thank Grace and Mo and everybody. We got the live streaming going on this. So let me step back for a second. By, by the way, just I want to go back to Urim and to Cash. And make sure this audience, because you're, you, you're the vanguard. So you have to have this knowledge. This military operation is not going to end for months. And Cash said, hey, it may not end for through next year. And the military operation is only going to get tougher, not easier. If you look at like the Civil War, if you look at uh, World War II, these these conflicts, they start to metastasize and they become almost attrition. 
they become brutal and more and nastier. And this is what's going to happen on the southern border of our country because it's inextricably linked. It's inextricably linked. You're the oppressor. You're the bad guy. You're the one that really doesn't have any rights. You're a colonizer. Do you remember that term? Remember all these terms because they're going to come out of these universities. And we have to hold accountable, and we will get to that. About who, how, how did that happen? That just didn't appear overnight. How did these universities happen? How did it happen? Who were the donors? Who, who got the professors in there? Who poisoned these kids and the poison in, in now grade school and, um, and, and, and high school? But if you think you've seen turbulence right now, you ain't seen nothing. Global capital markets, economy, this is war. This is a kinetic war. This is the kinetic part. And when it starts, it doesn't get less kinetic. That's right. Go to Birch Gold right now and just ask Philip Patrick and Pat Bennett. Just ask him, why has gold been a hedge for 5,000 years? Just ask that question, wait for the response, and then you think about it. You've got to make decisions in your own life. Cash, I knew this was, and I told people during the, your testimony, it was so powerful. And if people don't know, t- t- uh, Cash was the first witness for the defense of President Trump in Denver, in this bogus trial of the 14th Amendment. But the legal aspect here is not the important aspect because clearly this is bogus. It is This is political warfare and it's information warfare, and it's working from their perspective. Because now they're going to get into the local news and everything. Well, hey, Trump, is he really eligible to be on the ballot? And this is all funded. They have, you know, source came in at the end, but it's the, the, the railhead of this is funded by Republican billionaire donors. And backer Leonard Leo and this the Federalist Society. And you saw the article yesterday in the New York Times where it's saying, hey, the lawyers in the future are not going to be these whiff and poofs from the Federalist Society. They're going to be hammers like Cash Patel and Mike Davis and others. And by the way, is it by happenstance that Mike Davis happens to be out in Denver following this thing closely? Cash, I told uh, certain people in authority in Trump world that Cash, in your first 20 minutes, I said, Cash's testimony is so good that I guarantee you not one mainstream media, they'll be all over Don Jr., who just who just had his first day, first couple of hours. That'll be the headline. That'll be MSNBC. They'll be starting that. They'll be starting that. But Cash's, which, because Don Jr. yesterday was just preliminary. He really didn't say anything. They're going to get into it today. But that'll be the big news because they want to take Trump's business empire and collapse it. But Cash in Denver lays out in a lawyerly fashion exactly why Jack Smith hasn't indicted President Trump for insurrection. You called their bluff. And what's shocking to me, because I didn't even really understand this, is that you gave this testimony. Liz Cheney and, and, and Kinzinger and you guys, he gave this testimony essentially to J6 and they buried it. Cash Patel, walk me through just the, not the details of the testimony, but just the the, the testimony as a thing. Yeah, look, you're right. The trial is a total fraud. It's lawfare. And the funny thing about the truth is it never changes. So when the January 6th committee asked me to testify two plus years ago, or whatever that was, I gave them the same exact information under oath as I did yesterday in the jury, or excuse me, in the trial in Colorado. And it was just a simple layout of DOD's position on the National Guard, President Trump's authorization, and what the law permits us to do. And now this lawfare has actually flipped on its, itself on its head. And these lawyers, by the way, the lawyers that bring this case against President Trump are from King and Spaulding. 
Do you know who's a named partner at King and Spalding? Sally Yates, Rod Rosenstein, and Gina Haspel. Do you know who was a named partner at King and Spalding? Christopher Ray, earning $15 million a year. Not a coincidence. Deep state government gangsters are bringing this for sure, um, like you said, with the help of the rhinos. And what they want to do now is say, oh, President Trump didn't order the National Guard on January 6th under the Insurrection Act. So now they want a commander in chief to deploy military armed assets unilaterally. Also, these Grundoons from yesterday wanted the president to deploy and order the deployment of FBI agents. That's the position they want the president of the United States to take, even though it doesn't jive with the legal advice given to us by, by many, many brilliant lawyers at the DOD and the White House. And they are so hypocritical, they will take that opposite position because, like you said, Steve, the mainstream media will now run with it and say, oh, I didn't know President Trump could be disqualified. He can't. It's totally bogus. But you're right. None of them are covering the testimony because they hate it when the truth punches them in the face. Do, do you agree that uh, – and Jack Smith, had, I guess, had, had uh, access to your J6, yeah. and I want to hold you through a quick break. Point blank, is your testimony basically one of the key reasons that Jack Smith won't, can't and won't indict President Trump for insurrection? You know, I believe so. It's the truth. If, if they could have, if anyone could have charged President Trump with misdirection, this special counsel, Jack Smith, would have done it. And the fact that they can't is because he never came close to doing insurrection. And now these guys in Colorado want to take it a step further and say it was an insurrection and President Trump should have ordered the National what? Guard, even though that's never been no. done. No, no, no. What? What is? Yes, that's it. Not just insurrection. We're going to come back to this in a second. President Trump in the entire time wants to do whatever it is to protect the process, the capital, the people. And he's kind of talked out of it by, you know, his betters. Short break. We're going to go through this in a second with Cash Patel. Debt. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. Now, here's the truth. The system traps you in debt. High interest credit cards and loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. And insane inflation keeps you stuck paycheck to paycheck. Done with debt is your lifeline. Done with debt has an ingenious new strategy to help erase your debt faster and easier than you thought possible. Done with debt analyzes all the debt options you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills. They know how to cut interest rates. Their skilled staff of negotiators know how to get debt out of your life permanently, without bankruptcy, and without additional loans. Done with debt are the experts in brilliant strategies for eliminating debt, but you need to hurry because some debt solutions are time sensitive. Now, here's how easy they make it. Go to donewithdebt.com. That's done to debt com done with debt.com go there today action 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 stop the worrying take action folks let me tell you about salty it's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart while covid gets all the headlines it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 americans every year yes heart disease is the number one killer Every year, year in and year out, heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, 
high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.